Welcome. This is Jamie. And this is Donna. And this is episode number nine of the Circus 71 podcast for the week of June 9th, 2020. Coming up on today's show, our thoughts on what FastPass Plus may look like moving forward. Social fatties will visit the Contemporary Resort. And finally, our picks for underrated attractions at the Magic Kingdom. This is the Circus 71 podcast. Special shout out to new listeners Tim and Laura. During the conversion of the theater in the wild at Disney's Animal Kingdom from the Tarzan Rock Show to Finding Nemo the Musical, Joe Rohde and his team were wandering next door through Chester and Hester's Dinorama. Upon arriving at Triceratops Spin, they saw none other than Tim working the attraction as a cast member. Rohde immediately said, him and his team escorted Tim backstage behind Theater in the Wild. Imagineering drew, scanned, and measured Tim's face, and it was used as the foundation for the 22-foot Nigel the Pelican pumpkin, or puppet from the show. Enter Laura into the story. Upon opening, Laura was a cast member in charge of production for the Nigel scene. Being so in love with the Nigel puppet, and upon hearing the rumors about Tim being used as the inspiration, Laura set off for Triceratops Spin. The two met, had a first date enjoying cheeseburgers and fries at Restaurantosaurus, were married, and are now living happily in southeastern Kissimmee, Florida. All this happiness is due to Finding Nemo the Musical and Walt Disney World, the most magical place on Earth. True story, Donna. You know, I wouldn't be that surprised if Tim wore a suit to that first date and they ate a restaurant of dig site burgers and Sundays for dinner. I would definitely agree with that. So starting off today's show, we have a couple of housekeeping stories to uh, dive into. The first is recently the Walt Disney World has recalled select resort hotel restaurant cast members. Um, revealing table service and counter service venues that will open up in the June timeframe um, earlier than the uh, Walt Disney World theme parks. Going through them quickly, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Sanaa, um, and the Mara, right? and uh, the Maji Bar. Um, at the Boardwalk, Forno, the Pizza Window, and the Boardwalk Bakery. At the Contemporary Resort, you have the Wave and the Lounge um, at the Wave, a la carte only, no buffets, and the Contempo Cafe. At Disney Springs, Deluxe Burger, Outdoor Vending, and the Patisserie. At Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campgrounds, P&J's Takeout, and the Meadows Snack Bar. The Grand Floridian Resort, Grand Floridian Cafe, and Gasparilla Island Bar, they're quick service. At Old Key West, you have Olivia's, which is their table service and goods-to-go quick service. Um, at the Polynesian Village Resort, Kona Cafe, Cat and Cooks, and the Pineapple Lana. Riviera Resort, the only uh, character uh, meal that will be reopening at Walt Disney World um, at first will be Topolina's. Um, they're Quick service options, Primo Piatto, La Petite Cafe, Saratoga Springs, Artist Palette and Paddock, Wilderness Lodge, uh, Whispering Canyon and Roaring Fork. And then finally at the Yacht and Beach Clubs, you have Beaches and Cream, 
and the Beach Club Marketplace. So many different options, uh, table service, quick service. Um, we're going to get into more of the ins and outs of the updates as far as uh, Disney reopening. But overall, a pretty good, um, uh, pretty good options for reopening at um, Food and Bev for the resorts. Your thoughts, Donna? Yeah, I mean, anytime that we hear that Disney is recalling cast members, I'm going to have a smile on my face. I'm going to be smiling for those folks who are going to be back to work. I'm smiling for my clients. I'm smiling for myself. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm happy to hear that they are bringing back cast. I think it's um, very interesting that Topolino's is going to be opening. When I saw that on the list, I was nothing shy of shocked to see a character dining experience. And I'm very curious about how that's going to run. But in general, besides that piece, I really wasn't too, too uh, surprised by any of those announcements. Yeah, no, I would agree. So short, sweet, to the point that uh, wraps it up for my housekeeping. I would love to share with our listeners here. I know you and I have debriefed on this a little bit, but in truth, not terribly much about my visit to Disney Springs last week. Correct. So we finally went. I know I mentioned last week when we were recording that, you know, we had our masks and masks, excuse me, that we were practicing and, you know, ready to go. And uh, we, we did in fact, fact go. We went along with my parents. So it was a party of five between my parents, myself, my husband, and our three and a half year old. And it was smooth. That is the one word that I'm so pleased to be able to say about the process. We parked in the parking garage as usual, you know, no, nothing crazy there. And then as we approached, okay, so I need to back up three steps for anyone who's listening to this. Disney Springs garages are bizarre. You have to go to the second level in order to be able to enter Disney Springs. And then you go down either an escalator or if you have a stroller, you can go down an elevator to get to actual Disney Springs. So if, even if you park on the first level, you have to go up, over, down, okay? So when we approach that second level, level where we would be entering you know the disney springs area to go down the escalator or down the elevator they had um a numerous different lines probably at least six different uh areas open with folks from advent health and they were one more friendly than the next that was one piece that i've been very jamie as you have heard me say very anxious about how is my son going to react with someone he does not know three inches from his face right so the, I actually ended up by happenstance, I wanted to walk up to a female because in general he does better with females, but it ended up being a gentleman. That guy could not have been any nicer. He got down to Anthony's level. He said, here, buddy, let me show you what I'm going to do. Let me show mommy. And he put, you know, the scanner a couple inches from my face. Oh, mommy's nice and cool. Let's make sure you are too, bud. And he kind of like, you know, got close to Anthony and let Anthony look at him a little bit, put the, you know, calibrator machine thing close to him very very quickly pulled it away good job Thermometer. Yeah. well okay it looks like a little gun and i didn't know i wanted to say that or not <laughs> i'm sorry it's true he was calibrating his temperature also known as a thermometer but go ahead in any case at least i didn't say fire sticks james that's uh, true <laughs> so he did it you know nice and quick and anthony didn't fuss at all and you know, the whole process was was very, very smooth, very seamless. Enter Disney Springs, cast members everywhere, cast members to direct you places, cast members there, you know, waving to you. I don't want to say smiling, but, you know, you can kind of see their, their eyes crunched up. You know, they're like smiling underneath that mask, welcoming you. There were not very many people there. We were able to walk directly into World of Disney. There was no virtual queue. There was no wait. Wow. Okay. 
walked directly in. I will note that they had cast numbers on some sort of digital device. It wasn't an iPhone or anything like that, but it was, it, it was kind of clunky looking, but it was a, a digital reader of some sort where they were calculating, how, hey, how many in your party? We said five in our party. They put it into the device, and I'm assuming that there's some sort of you know, limit that when it gets to that limit, they say, okay, please hold type thing. Mm-hmm. They were also spacing us out as we went in. So our party of five went in you know, five, six seconds after the party in front of us to allow them to, to go in ahead of us. I never felt in that giant world of Disney store that we were on top of anyone else. Donna, one uh, quick question that um, I had. Uh, how did you notice um, walking through kind of the walkways and pathways, you know, guest um, behavior? Everybody masked, not so much. Would you say most people were complying with rules or uh, not so much? So we have read a lot about that, you and I. And a lot of what mm-hmm. we have read has said that folks are kind of, I don't know if abusing is the right word, but probably the loophole of, hey, I'm drinking. Hey, I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Let me carry around this this drink. Let me do this. I would say that when walking around, other folks that were walking, for the most part, nine out of 10 had mas- masks on. The folks okay. that we saw without masks on that probably should have been were sitting at tables as if they had potentially eaten at some point in time, but no food was in front of them. They were just sitting there talking. Gotcha. So that can go either way. You can say, you know, maybe they just have finished eating and just threw something away. And I got there at a time when, you know, they had just thrown something away. Maybe they were sitting down and their friend was getting food to bring to all three of them. I don't know. But the folks that I saw, for the most part, not wearing masks were folks sitting at a specific eating area kind of near one of the entrances to World of Disney. Okay. So not not awful. No. I did see one cast member without a mask on, and I was thinking to myself, huh, that's bizarre, but I don't know. Again, I don't know the situation. I don't know where it coming and going or, or what had happened. But I remember doing a double take and thinking like, yeah, that's definitely a, a cast member name tag. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. So that was, but overall very good. Same thing when we entered the co-op, the co-op I felt was a little more crowded, but it, for folks who have been inside the co-op, that is a crowded location. It's little mini right. boutiques. So it's really hard to space out when it's a smaller space. I will also say It was a noticeable difference to me, at least the atmosphere, as far as the cast member, I don't want to say attitude because that's not the right word, but the feel of the cast members in the co-op versus world of Disney. It just seemed like the cast members at the co-op were doing everything they could to actively be as far away from guests as they could, which I understand, James, I do. They're trying to keep themselves and their family safe. But at World of Disney, I felt like it was business as usual. There were cast members who were fixing things on shelves. There were cast members asking, hey, can I help you find, you know, blah, 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 being what you have come to expect from Disney cast members. In the co-op, I just felt two different times, you know, uh, specific cast members would back away you know, let me keep my, my back, you know, to a wall and just keep backing, backing up, you know, as folks came through again, a tight space, much more difficult, but that was one time that I felt like, oh gosh, like this, this is different, you know? Right. And the co-op is a 
Disney owned store? Correct. Yeah, it's a little like that's what I thought. I was I didn't think it was third party, but I wasn't. Yeah, little boutiques where Disney's you know either trying merch out or trying a an idea out. The D Tech is always there. There's always a kitchen collection. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't spend too much time at Disney Springs, but so overall, um, good experience. I'm so happy we went. It felt so good <laughs> to not be sitting, you know, and, and granted, you know, we, we were very lucky to live here in Florida, lovely to have, you know, the pool access and everything like that. But it was so nice to be somewhere besides my house or my parents' house. And I know my son had a, a blast. He got to see our friend Gerald. Um, you know, it was just, it was really, really nice. It was kind of bittersweet to see you know the cute little kids choo-choo train and the cute little kids carousel not working and anthony my son kept pointing at it you know wanting to go on um i told him i was like buddy you know as soon as it's open i promise mommy will pay for you to go as many times as you want because you know sometimes they'll go and i'll say like no you know we have passes to disney we don't need to pay to for you to go on like this this little ride um right but uh that that was kind of a bummer usually there's like live music going on there is nothing really with with that um so definitely the feel was a little bit different but i think that i think we're gonna get there i think that this is a, a good step in the right direction for sure good well thanks for sharing don i think that'll uh take care of our housekeeping and we will um take a quick break and be back with our first segment and we are back so as don and i talked about last week opening on july 11th Magic Kingdom and Disney's Animal Kingdom. When those two theme parks open up, something will not be at the Disney theme parks that has been around for over 20 years. So the first time in 20 years, we will not have some type of fast pass system. 20 years, pretty crazy to think about, Donna. It honestly kind of is, mostly because... (laughs) <laughs> I remember Fast Fest, the Legacy Fast Fest fondly getting the, the paper tickets because my my mom, bless her, doesn't go on thrill rides. <laughs> so I would take when when my husband and I, you know, went with my parents before we were married, we would take all four of our tickets, shove them into, you know, the Soren machine. It would spew out four paper tickets to return times, and Andrew and I would ride twice. <laughs> Yeah, those those days were always a lot easier because you could definitely, uh, you know, pretty much when it first rolled out, come back at any time after the uh, the original return time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Donna, we did talk about this off air and I thought it'd be cool for our listeners to hear. Do you know the first attraction that was built with a fast pass queue um, in the post fast pass era? So here's the thing. We did talk about this a minute ago before we hit record and I said oh and I may have dropped a four-letter word beginning with d <laughs> you, you already asked me this question you know because Jamie randomly texts our group thread him my husband myself and his wife random Disney stuff and we have to like oh I don't know like is it this is it this and he'll you know oh yeah so-and-so got it right you know 10 points whatever um and it's like ah you, you asked us this before, and I don't think I got it right then, but I'm going to stick with what I was pretty sure was my answer, which was Soren. And Jamie started laughing and said, how about we do that on air? So Soren, Jamie, for, for 100 points. Uh, sorry, that would be incorrect. It's actually Mission Space, huh. which I believe opened in 2001. I want Makes to sense. Makes sense. Um, so it was the first one that was built with Fast Pass. Um, in mind but 
the reason we were talking about fast pass now and and I mean we could go into fast pass strategies and what rides to fast pass and the tiered system with fast pass plus the differences between fast pass and fast pass plus on an entire hour long episode but when the parks do reopen as i said for the first time in over 20 years the parks will not have any attractions with fast pass that is eligible um and donna and i had been talking previously um before covid19 and everything like that of the potential for a paid fast pass system coming to walt disney world jamie i should know this but i don't so i wanted to ask you for the i guess for my own benefit and benefit of our listeners shanghai disneyland what are they doing right now with their fast pass system or or not you know what? That's a really good question. I, I thought you were taking that a different way. I have not heard if they are shutting down um, the fast pass system in Shanghai. Um, Give me a minute. I'll do some research, and you keep talking about what you were saying with with you know what we're yeah. Let me know because that's I, I thought you were asking what they do as far as the system goes, um, and I believe they are still actually on. Um, the paper system. But Donna and I previously, you know, before COVID-19 and the shutdown and everything like that, had many discussions about FastPass and the potential for Disney to bring a paid FastPass system um, to Walt Disney World, because currently, current system is uh, free um, to even off-site guests, on-site, um, on-resort guests can book um, three Fast Pass Plus reservations within one park, um, 60 days in advance, and off-site guests or uh, annual pass holders not staying on-site um, can book at 30 days. And there's another caveat with club-level guests that can pay an extra fee. We're really not looping that into this discussion. Um, but out on the West Coast in Disneyland Resort, they have, um, or they were on a paper fast pass system, commonly called Legacy Fast Pass, um, and recently moved that to a digital system where it's digitally linked to your park ticket. But they also have something different called the Disney Max Pass service. The Max Pass service, um, without once again getting too in depth uh, with Max Pass, is in the Disneyland app where you can book. Um, day of attractions, um, and it also loops in uh, the photo pass service, and that is a fee that I believe is up to twenty dollars a day. Donna, does that sound right? I thought it was fifteen, but it could have increased. Okay, maybe it started at ten and went to fifteen. I think there was a five dollar increase, but I, I couldn't remember offhand because um, I hadn't looked it up recently. Um, so let's call it $15 um, a day. That is per person in your party um, and per day as well. And basically allows you to book in the app once you're inside of the park. Um, I've had recent uh, message board uh, conversations through Facebook and um, Disney discussion boards on the potential for a paid FastPass system to come um, to Walt Disney World because it's shut down. Uh, FastPass Plus system is shut down and could be the time for Disney to 
introduce some type of paid system um, to uh, Walt Disney World. I have some pretty strong feelings about what I like, um, and I'm sure Donna does as well. Do you want to share your thoughts, Donna? So when you first said this to me, and I can't stress how important I find, I feel it is that anyone who's listening to this knows that this is not a brainchild that you had, you know, when COVID-19 happened and when the parks closed, this is truly something that you brought up months ago to me. I think, please correct me if I'm wrong, that you were talking about in relation to the 50th anniversary celebration, right? Yes. Some type of um, paid system with Disney. Right. So Jamie brought this to my attention and I kind of snapped a little bit that I didn't like it. I think it's hard enough to get fast passes for some of these popular attractions, you know, 30 days out for me as an annual pass holder, as opposed to 60 days out, which is what it is. And by is, I mean, was because again, no fast pass system right now uh, for those staying on property. Uh, Really, really challenging. And thinking about the 50th celebration, selfishly i know that a lot of people were planning to be here and i say were because i don't know what it's going to look like now post covid 19 um but prior to that i would have thought it would have been slammed we went out to disneyland for the 60th and it was wall to wall people that's what i expected it to be here at you know i say my parks because we live here (laughs) at my parks i thought my parks are going to be slammed for you know the celebration of the 50th anniversary and you know, I was already kind of thinking about like, oh, we're going to have to stay on property more to get popular fast passes and things like that. And now thinking about a paid system, I mean, am I going to have to pay more in order to do these these attractions? You know, how is that going to work? Is it going to be similar, again, not to harp on MaxPass, but is it going to be similar to MaxPass that if you pay X number of dollars per year, you just tack this on to your annual pass? If that's the case, I think I'd be able to swallow that a little bit more, much more than, you know, a daily hit each time we want it to, to utilize a paid system. I don't love it, to say the least, but if if it happens, it is what it is. Yeah, I I have some very strong feelings. I do, um, and I know sometimes I may be in the min- minority, but I, I will never back down from this argument. I am a fan of the FastPass Plus system. I like that you can set a reservation time for the attraction you want, uh, or three, assuming you get it. Yes, you, you. there's always the argument, oh, you might not be able to get it. Well, take a longer vacation. Uh, you know, th- there's, <laughs> there's only so many fast pass slots available. And I do think Disney distributes them in the most fair way possible. Um, you know, would I like if they did three uh, fast pass plus in advance, if you stayed at a deluxe and two at a moderate one at a value? No, everybody, when you walk into the, through the gate is on an equal footing. Um, I know some people always make the argument um, in favor of the old FastPass system where, oh, I didn't have to plan my day out 60 days in advance. You don't have to do that. Nobody has a gun to your head saying (laughs) you have to plan these three attractions out. Oh, I like walking through the parks and just deciding what I want to do. And if I want to go do a different attraction, I want to do go ahead. Nobody's stopping you. It's such a ridiculous to me circular argument um, of I want to have a relaxing time. No one's stopping you from doing that. I I just find that logic, once again, just my opinions that I'll own, 
it's crazy to me. Um, you know, I, I remember the days of legacy paper fast pass where the hot fast pass was Toy Story Mania. <laughs> if you're not there at rope drop and you're not running to the fast pass machine and oh, wait, I have a lunch reservation. So I have to stand here for 15 minutes till the return window is more something that I can do. And then I get in line to get the, the paper fast pass ticket and like that. I think people forget and have a uh, more rosier image of the original FastPass system. Um, I I'd like the FastPass Plus system and would really not like it um, to change too much, especially if it went to a paid system um, and a system like a MaxPass where you have to be in the park. I think that limits the ability for people if they wanted to start their day in the pool, if they wanted to go to a breakfast, um, you know, tell all the people that get up early that um, that got up early when the parks were open for a rise of the resistance boarding group that were shut out of that, that this is now going to be the system. I just think the, the I like the fast pass plus system, you know, much more. So I am one of those who will tell you I loved Legacy FastPass. You know this. Uh, I specifically loved in the early stages of Legacy FastPass when you, you just had to wait for the opening time of the hour window. Because if you remember correctly, you just had, if, if your pass was 11.10 to 12.10, you could come back literally anytime after 11.10 until park close. Right. Loved that abused the heck out of that. We would have multiple fast passes in our hands at any given time, you know, collecting them. And then go on standby lines until we started hitting our return windows. So we loved it. We rocked it. And again, I, I also mentioned it was a different situation because my folks, um, you know, didn't always go on the thrill rides. So my husband and I got to double dip, which is always quite nice. So we, we did right. like Legacy. I'm not saying that Fast Pass Plus is not great. It is. It is. But I did like Legacy. I was, I'm fine with both. How's that? Fair. That's fine. Fair. Um, I didn't even think until you were just now talking about the piece about physically being in the park for people like us who we work until, you know, three 30 in the afternoon, my son takes a nap. Then we go over, you know, for the late afternoon evening. If that becomes the case, we're not getting any fast passes. Right. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like th those are my two, Biggest gripes. And we should also make um, it a point to say that this is all speculation and, and you know, uh, thinking of what could happen. We are not saying this is. Um, but it was a recent discussion that I was involved in on an online thread, and I thought it'd be a good discussion for, for Don and I um, to have. My two biggest gripes are moving to a paid system, potentially, once again, and the need to be in a park to activate it. Now, would I be as upset about it if they did, I don't know how they would even do this, but you're, you're, uh, you can make a reservation for one attraction at a time using the old time system, um, but you can pick it any time during the day and you don't have to be in the park. Okay, I'd live with that. Not my favorite, but I think that's better than you have to physically be in the park. I think that takes too much 
of the old system, you know, everybody in the park in the morning, you want to talk about social distancing <laughs> issues. There you go. Yeah. You know, that that's not going to solve a lot of problems. Um, so I, I think that's part of, of my two of my biggest issues, the potential for paid um, and the um, net need potentially to be in that particular because you don't need to do that right now. You know, it's not like Disney has to recode anything. Um, there's not going to be more expense on Disney's end to just flip the switch back on to FastPass Plus as is. That would be like my hope and dream because, I, like I said, I really do like that system. I think it would be impossible to keep ADRs at 60 days and FastPass Plus at 60 days. That would certainly have to change. Um, but that's kind of a different topic for a different discussion. So I think the number of days would have to change. Um, but, you know, personally, I, I think the Fast Pass Plus system is, is one that I really enjoy. Yeah. And again, you know, this is just something that we've been talking about. We've just been, you know, kind of figuring out what they could do. As Jamie said, they could flip on the switch and everything could go back to, you know, as it had been. Other changes could be made that we haven't even theorized at this point. They could go to a paid system. Who knows? But I think Jamie's point is well taken that if they are going to make a big change when the system is down for this long, it might be when it happens. Yeah, so it's definitely something for us to keep an eye on. Um, I think that was a good opening discussion. I got to get out a little frustration and air my uh, my opinions. Um, but uh, anybody, if you do you know disagree with them, please feel free to uh, contact Donna and let her know. <laughs> but uh, with, with that, we will take a quick break, and we will be back with our social fatty s- segment talking about dining at the Contemporary all right, and welcome back. In today's Social Fatty segment, we are going to talk about dining at Disney's Contemporary Resort. This is home to one of my favorite places that I'm going to go ahead and give myself credit for and say that we took you and Val for the first time, right? Um, I believe so, yes. So yes is, is the answer to that i believe you did i don't think we went there before you guys but we did Mm -hmm. yep anyway california grill one of our favorite places to be honest with you james i know that you know this but andrew and i will go just to eat their sushi and we're not like fishy sushi people we're california roll sushi people their california roll is unbelievable so we will order that. We'll order like a flatbread pizza. You're laughing so hard right now. I love seeing it. And the, their listeners don't see your face, but you're enjoying this. Um, we'll get like a flatbread pizza. And we just sit there and we enjoy the stunning view uh, looking out over Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And you know what? It's a really cool space, you know, pretty much right there at the top of um, the Contemporary Resort. Um, the check-in desk is on like the second or third level. Fourth fourth really okay i didn't realize it was up that high um but um you know go in check in get on your elevator go up um we should also mention it is a signature um uh, menu so if you are assuming it's coming back (laughs) that's another segment that i hope uh, i'll uh, be able to rant on um but assuming that the dining plan comes back which i would bet money will i mean that is I think, in my opinion, um, the most popular add-on to a Disney dining package. Um, 
or a Disney vacation package um, is the Disney dining plan. I'd be stunned if that didn't come back. So we'll progress as if it is, um, <laughs> but it would be two uh, table service crest credits because it is a um, signature meal. Uh, Donna, what are some of your favorite um, items on the Cali Grill menu? So one of the cool things about most signatures of Walt Disney World Resort is that their menus actually change. Some of the items will be staples. Other items will change based on what the chef wants to bring in, based on what foods they can bring in and, you know, what they have fresh. It's very, very, very well done. There is one particular steak that comes on the menu and then leaves and comes on the menu and then leaves. It's a bison steak. I'm not a red meat person really at all. I don't even do hamburgers. It's not for health reasons, just taste reasons. Don't love it. Whatever. My husband is a steak connoisseur and he gets this bison burger and it is so good, James. I will take a bite or two of it. It is just unbelievably delicious. Yeah. I was actually just pulling up the menu to take a look and see what I may have ordered. I don't think I would have done the surf and turf. I may have done like a jumbo scallops. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I did notice, Don, and I didn't realize this actually, um, their brunch at the Cali Grill yep. for, for an adult um, is actually $95. Correct. And I know there's some alcohol included. I know that there's, um, you know, some lobster and like really pricey seafood type items. And I will say I have read reviews that say this is like the best thing ever. But I can't justify that price point personally. Yeah, that that definitely would be. I mean, that if if that's dining plan eligible would be a it phenomenal. Is it is not okay. It is not. It's so only that a would be an amazing brunch. credit. Okay, correct, correct. It's um, only a Sunday brunch. Yeah, and I also remember trying to think of what dessert I had there. It was something that was just like out of this world good, and I almost want to say they took it off the menu. It's probably creme brulee. Um, oh, well, I forget what they're called. They were, it wasn't creme brulee. It was almost like little, um, puff balls with, um, some type of like custard in between in the middle of it. Yeah. I don't know. I forget what it is. I should have done research clearly before, <laughs> um, I started off to ask, uh, Val remember what it is. Well, Jamie, for the sake of time, since social fatties could linger here <laughs> at the dessert section of the California Grill menu, I will say one more thing about the California Grill, and that is the view. Regardless of when you choose to eat dinner there, so even if you have an earlier dinner and then go back to the hotel or go to a park or bring your kids back or whatever the case may be, you can go back in the evening before the fireworks, again, on a normal night when there are fireworks pre-COVID-19, hopefully post-COVID-19 at some 19 at some point, you can show your receipt from having uh, dined there and they let you back up and you can stand on one of the observation decks to deck, decks to watch the fireworks. Yeah. And I did, as I was texting Val, remember um, <laughs> apple fritters was the word Ooh. I was trying to come up with. Um, not I, what you I, described, but I'll go with it. Yeah. No, I am. I'm not sure if it's this apple tart taten or totten or however it's pronounced um so that's why i may not have um it may not have jogged my memory but it may be that and it's just called something different that was listed on the menu but phenomenal out of this world and like i said really cool space um you mentioned going up to the fireworks um so definitely high highly uh recommend um california grill 
And the California Grill has a California, they call it the California Grill Lounge. It's actually some of the prime seating space. And I will never understand when they revamped that space, why they made that particular space the the lounge. And that's for, for walk-ups. So if you don't have a reservation, you can choose to sit at the Oyster Bar. You can um, sit at the bar and have a drink. Or you can try to get a table in the lounge area. And that, again, is first come, first serve, no reservations required. And then the Wave, which, you're gonna talk, which we're going to talk about next on the bottom floor of the contemporary also has a lounge but unlike the california grill lounge where you can order anything off of the menu the wave lounge has its own cocktail menu and small bites it's not the same you know menu as sitting in the other side of the restaurant right that's interesting um and a good uh, definitely good point of course as you were talking i pulled up the menu for chef mickey's and was looking at that. <laughs> but um, the wave uh, is something that I really wanted to try. Um, and unfortunately, it was on our um, August reservation list um, that uh, got canceled. Um, but I have um, sent actually my mom and dad to the wave and they raved about it. So mm-hmm. food, phenomenal. Um, uh, there was one of the appetizers that they got for dinner. It was like a, basically like a steak and eggs um, type of meal um, that they said was out of this world. Good. Um, I'm not sure what entrees uh, they went with, um, but I've, I have not heard. Um, my dad probably got scallops now that I'm looking at the menu or maybe the short rib, um, but they highly recommended it. Um, and I was definitely looking forward to it. And this is probably the one restaurant um, that I had an ADR for that I'm most upset about um, that got canceled because I definitely wanted to um, try it. But have you, you have eaten here, correct? Several times, yes. We really, really like the wave. There's It's another great example of you know fresh, fresh, fresh stuff, new things coming on and off the menu. They talk about Florida fresh down here. I don't know. I guess it's supposed to be like, you know, grown in Florida. Like, oh, we, we these strawberries were grown in the next town over. So we're going to bring them here to the resort and we're going to make these great strawberry salads. Um, you know, even the seasonal salad will say seasonal accompaniments with local greens and a house-made vinaigrette. So that, that salad's always phenomenal. The cheese board is out of this world. I typically get Get, um oh it's not even on the menu right now i'm so sad uh they had fish tacos on the menu for the longest time mm. unbelievably good looking at the current menu i would go with the salops or the gnocchi uh for sure except for the mushroom piece Blech. um and all the desserts have always been good uh we have probably not been there in about two years at this point because that is one of those restaurants that is just a little bit more muted um not quite as bright and kid-centered if you will so we will do california grill with our three and a half year old and shove him by the window and he looks out the window and he's happy as pie and doesn't you know make any noises besides to ask for food (laughs) Uh, at the wave i would be a little bit nervous simply because you know not that there aren't tons of kids there there are so please if, if you're listening to this don't think you know you can't bring your kiddos there but I just would not feel quite as comfortable with my three and a half year old there because I don't know that there would be as much for him to look at and do and it's more of a, a tighter space and I wouldn't want him to, to fuss and bother other folks right no that's that's a great point um and typically when Don and I are or when we're going to do the um, individual restaurants, a lot of times we will focus a little bit more towards um, dinner. At least I will, because usually my table services, um, I'm not a big breakfast person, but the Wave does have 
um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and for breakfast, I they I think still did the refillable uh, mimosas. Um, if uh, that tickles your fancy. <laughs> and the other nice thing about the wave for breakfast, and we have not experienced this. I've sent more count more clients than I can count there, and have heard amazing things. You can choose. You can either get a buffet or you can get a plated option. So you don't have to do one or the other. So if one member of your family is all about a breakfast buffet and someone else is, I don't want a buffet. I want, you know, uh, someone to bring me my eggs and this and that and the other thing, you can do that as well. Right. And that's what we had um, in my uh, housekeeping. That's where we said it was um, for the time being a la carte only. So that's where that um, breakfast buffet option, great option, unfortunately not going to be on the menu. Um, Should we go to the other um, major table service there at the Contemporary, Donna? You missed your opportunity to say, like, speaking of buffets, let's talk about... Oh, all right. Let's rewind 30 seconds. Speaking of buffets, <laughs> let's go to the other buffet or the major buffet at the Contemporary Resort, and that would be the Cult Classic um, <laughs> Rite of Passage uh, Dining Reservation of Chef mickey's um i have done this for breakfast and donna when we were with you guys for your 30th um you know 25 years ago was that for dinner or was that for breakfast we went now dear where did we stay the night before my birthday or actually that was my birthday where did we stay that night bay lake tower so where do you think we ate for breakfast the next morning Chef Mickey's. Very good. Okay. So Donna, when we were with you, was it for breakfast or dinner? <laughs> Unbelievable. The patience I need. Breakfast, Jane. <laughs> breakfast. Okay. There we go. All right. So I think I may have done um, dinner there. I'm not 100% sure. I know I've done several um, breakfasts. Um, the adult buffet, $50. Kids, uh, three to nine years old, 33. Um, a lot of different options here. Uh, I think a lot of times I've heard some mixed reviews about Chef Mickey's, but I have to say when I've gone there, I haven't found the food um, to be bad. I think a lot of times, specifically with character meals and character buffets, you're paying for the character interactions more so than the food. Um, But anytime I've been there, I actually found the food to be quite good. Um, What were your thoughts? I personally think it's hard to mess up breakfast food so pretty much wherever you go for a breakfast buffet and i wholeheartedly agree with your statement that you're paying for the character experience because you are um but it's, it's really hard to mess up breakfast food so i've never had a bad breakfast buffet experience anywhere on disney property dinner buffets lunch dinner whatever different story <laughs> Uh, we did do dinner at Chef Mickey's and it was good, good enough. <laughs> um, but it's not a place that I would run back to for dinner, whereas it will remain one of my top choices for a character breakfast on property. Now, with with that, um, specifically talking about dinner, um, talking price wise for an adult, sixty dollars for a kid, three to nine is thirty nine dollars as of you know this recording. Um, Donna, do you feel that value is there? Taking a, uh, you're paying out of pocket typically, um, whereas usually I would be on the dining plan. Mm-hmm. For somebody that's paying out of pocket, do you see a value in that price point? It's hard to justify. I mean, because we'd be looking at, you know, $150 more after 
gratuity, even with our tables card for one mm-hmm. meal for the family of three. Now that my son is three, because at, at Disney property, um, you actually, the children eat for free until they turn three. So before he was three, it seemed a little bit better because my son's usually a pretty good eater. So it was like, oh, well, Anthony's free. So, <laughs> you know, not, not quite as bad. Uh, but now that he is three, now that we have to pay for his meals, I would say we probably choose not to do the character dining as much as we had previously. Now, that's not to say we don't do it because, of course, we do. You know, we spend more money than we should eating at Disney property. Um, but that dinner would not make even probably a top 10 list for me for for price versus experience on Disney property. Okay. Because as far as if you're on the dining plan, it's not bad at all. Oh, agreed. Um, you know, it's a great use of a credit actually for the for the $60. But I just wanted that um, non-DDP um, sort of uh, perspective as far as if you were paying out of pocket. Because um, that is certainly a pricier um you know, meal and you would want, you know, the character interaction in addition to um, the quality of the food. Well, you tell me we're going to pay 60 for that or 46, I think, when we last went to Cape May Cafe for all you can eat crab legs. Come on now, which one's the better value for you? Oh, for certainly I would be at um, Cape May Cafe. Yeah. All right. So moving on from there, uh, there are a couple of quick service locations that we should talk about. So Contempo Cafe is the big quick service option for guests staying at the Contemporary. It's a little more advanced, if you will, than some other quick service options in that you place your order and then they give you a little pager and the pager goes off and then you go back and get your food. Um, It's typical burgers, chicken, nothing to write home about, nothing spectacular, loud it's, it's located right outside of Chef Mickey's, and you know how loud that location is, which we actually probably should have said, uh, with the monorails coming through and just with all the people around. So it's very, very loud. Not my favorite quick service location, to say the least. Yeah, I have not eaten there, so I, I don't really have any uh, comments on uh, Contempo Cafe. Fair enough. And then um, out by the pools, Sandbar and Cove Bar are located there as well. You can always get a nice drink uh, at those locations. Contemporary Grounds is kind of a a grab-and-go type situation. And then the last piece of dining that we should – oh, excuse me, in the Outer Rim Lounge as well is uh, for some cocktails while you're waiting for Chef Mickey's when your kids have given you, you know, heck all day and you need that that little (laughs) cocktail. (laughs) Um, And then the final piece we need to mention before we – exit this social fatty segment for tonight is the highway in the sky dine around james what have you uh, heard about that one because i've heard great things um i have personally not done it um you know basically it's it's your um not stage dining um what do they call that when it moves into certain different places um stage works i know what you mean yeah i i can't think of what it was but basically you get to experience three different disney resort hotels um, you begin at the Contemporary uh, first stop um, after the, that's basically the meeting point is then um, off to the Poly and then Grand Floridian. Um, and then you wrap up at um, Contemporary Resort, um, you know, for the kind of dessert and fireworks, so to speak. So I, I like that you get different um, experiences with the dine around and it's all on the, uh, the monorail loop. Um, different resorts 
Yeah, I mean, I've heard really good things about it. It has a higher price point as well, but um, you, you kind of expect it when it includes the alcohol and, you know, that experience plus the fireworks and things like that. But it's definitely on my date night list at some point in time. Um, you know, my husband and I keep toying with like, oh, what are we going to do for our 10th wedding anniversary, which of course is not until next May. So we've got plenty of time to think through that one. Uh, but this is this has come up a couple of times on the list of something that might be really, really fun to do at a place that means a lot to us and, you know, get that that neat experience yeah and just a quick um price point it is as of right now as of recording um 170 per person plus tax and that does include gratuity obviously guests need to be 21 years of age or older um to consume um alcohol and it is not eligible for the um, disney dining plan but really when you consider what you're getting i don't think that that's awful because it includes that little dessert party at the end too Right. No, I, I agree. It's definitely um, an experience, um, mm-hmm. you know, something that, uh, like you said, you know, looking at doing that for your 10th wedding anniversary, something you do something uh, special. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's for people that in what's their first or second trip to Disney, but I think it may be geared a little bit more towards um, uh, people who know Disney are looking for, like I said, some type of um, different experience. All right, hungry yet? <laughs> Starving. <laughs> with uh, I think with that we should uh, go get a snack and uh, take a quick break, and then we will come back and wrap up with our last segment where we talk about underrated attractions at. Hi everybody, Donna and I are both authorized Disney vacation planners. When planning your next Walt Disney World. Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney Vacation, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We have a wealth of experience and knowledge to help plan your next magical vacation. Best of all, our services are at no cost to you. Please reach out to us at Donna, D-O-N-N-A, at Pixie, P-I-X-I-E, vacations.com, or Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at pixievacations.com. We would be happy to help plan your next magical vacation. Welcome back. And for our last segment today, underrated attractions at Magic Kingdom. Now, since there are so many attractions at Magic Kingdom, Don and I decided to do our one top picks, uh, top pick each this week. And then next week, we will do a few honorable mentions. Donna, do you want to go ahead and lead us off? I'd also really like to point out that your chair sounds like you're tooting. Oh, man. Again? (laughs) I just thought I would let our listeners know that Jamie claims that that's his chair. That's true. I was going to say, at least I have the chair to blame it on. (laughs) All right. So, yes, in the interest of time, we're just going to go with one this week. We will kind of go through some honorable mentions next week, but... Thinking through Magic Kingdom, there are just so many attractions and there are so many that could be on this list. And I keep circling back to the same one as as my top. And you can laugh, you can roll your eyes, you can groan, whatever. Country Bear Jamboree, Jamie. No, I think it's actually a pretty good pick. I just... I love this attraction. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every time we go to Magic Kingdom, we go to do it because we don't. Truth be told, we're not usually on the left side of the hub. We don't always go into the Adventureland, Frontierland side of Magic. 
when we do though i get dragged there by my son and tiki room but that's a whole other story uh but country bear jamboree uh it's just so much stinking fun the bears are so cute their songs are so adorable you tap your foot you clap your hand the moose on the wall talking I love this show. I loved when they used to do the overlay at Christmas time. I thought that was so stinking cute. Haven't done that now in, in many, many years. Uh, but about a year ago now, last June, there was a rumor that came out from a very reputable source. And I won't say that source because I don't know if we should do that or not. Probably not. Um, but a very reputable source said that this attraction was going to be replaced by Toy Story, a Toy Story marionette show for Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary. And I lost my blessed mind. Jamie, I don't know if you remember the freak out, but it was epic. You were very upset by that. <laughs> so needless to say, Country Bear Jamboree, if you've not done it in a while, if you've just walked by and haven't experienced it at all, give it a try. It is super cute. You're going to love it. Yeah, and I have, because um, uh, Country Bear Jamboree is, is an opening day Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom attraction. So it does have that history um, to it as well. And um, one quick story about Country Bear Jamboree. Um, I, I was with um, my wife, Val, when we were on there one trip. And I don't know if she was doing something else or, or had a fast pass for something. But um, I, I was by myself for, for some odd reason in, in Magic Kingdom. And um, I got a text from Val saying, where are you? And, you know, as Donna and Andrew will know, there's Donna and I always have the, uh, the Disney shorthand slang that we put. So I put it in the text. I'm at CBJ. And Val goes, what is that? <laughs> so it's I'm like, oh, it's Country Bear Jamboree. So now I, I always have that memory there as well with the, uh, the Disney slang. But my number one um, underrated attraction is um Ariel's undersea adventure or everyone just calls it the little mermaid ride i forget what the actual title for it is but um, it's not girls undersea adventure i'll tell you <laughs> is that okay then that's in dca i think i i thought it was just under the sea under the sea Ariel's. it's a long it's one of those weird titles look it up while i'm talking about it but um omni mover attraction get to re, you know have all the songs the ursula audio animatronic um when it doesn't lose its head is awesome um big uh very um immersive through the different show scenes um you know it's just a a really cool um attraction and actually the queue is also home to the most rare hidden mickey where it will only appear because of the sunlight and the rock work um, on Mickey Mouse's birthday. So little did you know there. Were you able to look it up, Donna? Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. Okay. I, I think Ariel's Undersea Adventure then is definitely DCA. I didn't just make that up. We'll go with that. <laughs> but um, so those are our top two picks for underrated attractions at um, Disney World's Magic Kingdom. We have the Little Mermaid ride <laughs> and uh, Country Bear jamboree thanks so much for listening to this episode next week will already be our 10th episode and we so very much appreciate you joining us if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to hear us discuss in the future please feel free to send us a message on our facebook page circa 71 podcast remember in addition to anchor we are available on apple podcasts 
please subscribe there and leave us a review so that other people will know how amusing and knowledgeable we are. No, seriously, make sure you say that I'm the amusing one and Jamie's the knowledgeable one. Wait, ugh, never mind. Next week, we'll introduce a new segment titled Thumbs Up and Thumbs Down. So much better than Sucks Doesn't Suck, which is from another podcast that Jamie ripped off. Review dining options at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort in our social dining section and cover a few more of our picks for underrated attractions at the Magic Kingdom. Have a great week. We'll see you real soon.